Welcome to the As It Is podcast, where we'll dive deep into conversation about leaning into the moment, being content in the season that we are in, becoming aware of God's presence throughout our day, and appreciating life as it is. Hello, and welcome back, everybody. Welcome to As It Is podcast. Thank you so much for all the support on the first episode. My friends are just so supportive and I feel so blessed and just thank you to whoever listened. Um, I'm excited to be here and be back at it again. This week we're going to be talking about something that is quite a deep topic but it's also really important and I just want to share a little bit about my story And this is going to be a quite deep and vulnerable episode. One of the things that I look up to from other podcasts or other podcasters when I listen is when the speakers are really raw and honest about what they've been through and just talk about their story to help somebody else maybe that's listening or going through the same struggles and that it can just bring some wisdom and insight and maybe help them in whatever they're going through. And so my goal for that today is that it can just reach somebody and that it can make somebody feel heard and make somebody feel valued. And so I am, I'm going to be super truthful and honest. And this story for me is, it's big part of who I am and where my confidence came from and so that's what we're going to be speaking on today is body image confidence and my story and kind of just what I learned from it and where I gained my confidence from and where I didn't (laughs) and so yeah let's get right into it I have a wonderful warm cup of tea with me. If you know me, you know I absolutely love tea. It's one of my favorite things ever, and I just love holding a warm drink in my hand. (laughs) So I'm really happy. I'm feeling super comfy and just ready to lay it all out there. (laughs) So it all started when I was about three years old. (laughs) I'm actually not kidding. It did It did start when I was three. <laughs> my mom enrolled me in ballet when I was three. And one of the things that she would always tell me was that I danced before I could walk. I was always moving to the beat of the music and just dancing and having fun. And I still am that way to this day. If there's any tunes on, no matter where I am, the grocery store, <laughs> anywhere, I'll just, I just can't help but move to that beat. <laughs> Um, but no, in reality, she enrolled me for ballet because I love to dance and I absolutely loved it. I joined this company in New Mexico and they were super awesome and I got a lot of friends and it became a really, really big part of my life. I danced for 16 years of my life and so it was a big part of my identity and it was a big part of who I was both good and both bad and we'll go into both and so if anybody has danced ballet before you can understand that there is a dance culture for quote-unquote dancers bodies dancers bodies are beautiful they have 
long legs, long arms, long fingers, so that all of their movements are so nice and graceful. Their necks are long, they have flat chests and long torsos. And this is all just so that the movement can look so graceful and, and so light. And dancing and ballet especially is supposed to be very a light, a very light sport and a very graceful sport. And so in directors' minds, that's what would look best on stage. And so they're actually very particular, unfortunately, about what you look like. And in my case, you were treated a lot differently if you didn't look this way. So as I grew up, it was different when I was a kid because we're kids. I mean, one thing I just admire so much about kids and I learn from them so much because kids are just themselves. They're so confident in who they are because they don't have that influence yet of that outside need to be enough for somebody else or to look like somebody else. They're just they're just them. And I think that we lose that as we grow older because we always are fighting for this external validation from other people to tell us that we're good enough. Whereas we are good enough just the way that we are, but we forget it because there's a lot of judgment in this world. And kids aren't judgy. They're just curious. They just ask questions and they're so curious about other kids and they love each other for who they are not needing for them to change. And I just really admire that. I know that's kind of off topic, but that's how I felt when I was younger, when I was a kid. But as I grew up in that dance culture, it definitely changed for me a lot. I mean, the directors were more picky about what you look like. I had a lot of my teachers tell me to go on a run on the weekend or do certain exercises or eat a certain diet so I could lose weight and so I could have a thinner body to look more like the quote-unquote dancer's body. However, in reality, my body would never look that way just because that's not how my bone structure is. Everybody's body is different. Everybody's body is shaped differently. One thing that's absolutely beautiful about everybody on this earth is that nobody looks the same. There is not one person on this earth that has the same body type. But when I was younger, I really didn't understand that. I was still trying to figure out who I was, who I was personally. And so the need to feel like I had to look like somebody else, especially in such a strong dance culture, and especially with that being a big part of my identity, it just affected my confidence a lot. And... I did not have the quote-unquote dancer's body, which is why it affected me a lot. I had um, big muscular legs, shorter arms, a short torso, and specifically I had a really big chest. Didn't have not, did not have a flat chest, and we'll, we will go on to that because that was a big part of my confidence journey as well. But for now, just continue on with this story. So... My whole dance career, I always danced in the Nutcracker, and if anybody knows the Nutcracker, it's a Christmas show, and it's a Christmas ballet, very, very famous, super duper fun. I loved it. It was one of my favorite things every single year. We would always do it, and I looked forward to it every year, but I started that when I was about five, and so it was just a big part of my routine, and 
my whole dancing career, I had this goal to be, if anybody's seen The Nutcracker, it starts out in like a party scene. So they're all going to Clara's house, which is the girl, and they have friends over and their parents come over and their parents' friends come over and they just all eat and they have food and they, they dance and it's just a big party scene. And so one of my goals was to be one of the party girls, just because I love their costumes, I love their dances, and it was a good goal for me to reach. So one of those years I auditioned and I got that role and I was so excited and I was so proud of myself for accomplishing that goal. And I was really excited to go to the costume fitting because their dresses were absolutely beautiful. I was excited to wear it. I thought I was going to look really pretty in it. And I got to the fitting and everybody was just getting into their dresses. You could kind of choose based on what you thought would look best on you and your skin tone and your hair and whatnot. Um, and so everybody was choosing their dresses and I saw this really beautiful peach peach dress. It had cream on the bottom. It was so pretty. And I was so excited to try it on and, and fit it. And everybody was trying them on and I noticed that it fit everybody perfectly, like, from the dot. And I tried my, mine on and it barely fit over my hips and it wouldn't go around my chest. And I noticed this, but I was just trying to shake it off. I was like, maybe nobody notices this. Maybe it's only a big deal to me. And um, just shake it off. Don't worry. Maybe, but somebody smaller was wearing this last year. Who knows? I had no idea. And so I didn't think it was a big deal. However, when I tried this dress on and it didn't fit around my chest, the fitters and my director said that we need to get her a different costume because none of the dresses are going to fit her chest. Because she doesn't have a smaller chest like everyone else in this room. And it definitely just hit me deep down because I thought this was something that was just a big deal to me. And I really didn't think it affected anybody else and nobody noticed. But when I got that comment, it just put into reality how big of a deal it was that I did look different from everyone else in that room. And so it definitely hit me hard because not only was it a frustrating thing to hear, nobody likes to hear something bad about themselves, but it was also something that I went into really excited for. It was a goal that I had reached and I had accomplished and I was really proud of myself for. And I was really excited to try and wear these dresses for the costume. And it went the complete opposite of what I thought it was going to be like. And so just that experience made that role a little bit traumatic for me just because whenever I thought of the dress, I thought it didn't fit me because of my big chest and because I didn't look like everyone else. As traumatic as that sounds. So it was just a little frustrating for me, and I had a lot of fun, and, and I tried to shake it off. But unfortunately, I had a lot of these same type of experiences with fittings, with leotards, with costumes. A lot of things didn't fit me, and I got a lot of the same comments. And unfortunately, that is just the way that dance culture is. I wish that the director's would be more compassionate and notice that what you look like really doesn't determine what you're capable of, the performance that you're capable of showing on stage.
A lot of my favorite dancers have beautiful, big, muscular legs. There was somebody in my company that I really looked up to because she had the biggest, strongest calves and she was so short. (laughs) But she was the most beautiful, elegant dancer ever. And so I really don't think that it's as big of a deal as these directors and teachers say it is. Just from a very old place in history, that has been the foundation and it's just stayed the same. And so I think it's important to be talked about because I'm sure a lot of girls like me had the same experiences, unfortunately. And I don't think that's okay. And so... I continued dancing on in New Mexico for a while, and then we moved. Me and my family moved to Ireland for my dad's work, which was an absolute incredible experience. We moved there for two years, and I was able to see all around Europe. That is especially and definitely going to be a future podcast episode because I have so much to say on my experiences. It opened my eyes to so many new cultures, so many new people, food, places, and I didn't know the world was so big. So I will absolutely do a podcast episode on that. But for now, we're going to stick on this topic. So I auditioned and I got into a Irish dance company there in Ireland. And I had a very same similar experience here. Unfortunately, I had a lot of the same experiences just with fittings, with directors and All this to say, I felt really isolated. I didn't feel like I was in a company. I felt like I was watching from the outside, seeing something that I could be, but I would never be, because that's not how I look like, and it wasn't good enough. And that held me back. It held me back from putting my full self out there, from embracing who I was, knowing that it was so intentional. And my body design is, was beautiful the way that it was. It held me back from bringing that light onto the stage. One thing that actually really held me together and kept me confident was my mom's comments after every performance. She would just tell me that I danced with so much heart and so much character. And I think that really kept me going because I loved to dance. It was my escape. It was my safe place. And I wasn't going to give that up because of some insecurities that I had. While I was in Ireland, I started struggling really physically with a couple of different injuries. When I was about eight years old, I was going skiing with my family, and we would always go ski. It was one of our favorite things to do. And I loved to ski because it wasn't dancing. I was constantly dancing, going to rehearsal, going to practice, going to shows. So sometimes dancing felt like a little bit of a burden, even though I loved it and really enjoyed it. So skiing was something that I did for fun, and I could bond with my family. So one time we were going skiing, and we were just going down the bunny hills, just getting ready, getting prepared. And it's a pretty long bunny hill. You just go down and then there's just a little turn and then you go all the way back down to the bottom. If you know one thing about me, you know that I am a go-getter in a lot of things that I do. <laughs> I 
don't particularly think really clearly before doing something, if that makes sense. I don't make extreme rational decisions, but I have a hard time like thinking about what I'm going to say before I say it. <laughs> and I'm just very bold in that circumstance. And so this was the case for skiing. For skiing, you have to have a certain technique going down the hill so that you can control your speed and control your techniques so that you don't go at uncontrollable speed. <laughs> but this was not the case for me. So whenever I went down the hill, I just went. <laughs> I was like a blur going past somebody super fast. So I was going down this bunny hill and I went onto the turn and I was going so fast that I ran into the fence. And like those orange fences that just go down the ski hill, it just went poof, 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 all the way down the hill. <laughs> I can laugh about it now, but it actually was extremely traumatic experience for me. <laughs> so if you know, like when you wear skis and you fall, they're huge objects, so they get really entangled and your, and your legs get really entangled. And so when I woke up, my knee was just in excruciating pain and everybody was just looking at me around me. And I woke up and I was like, I hurt my knee. I don't know what happened. And the medics came and they were like, do you want us to take you down the hill? Because they will put you on a slide and you'll go on a sled and they will go down with you on the hill. But at this time, I had a really hard time accepting help. And it's something that I've had to learn for sure because it's important. And I didn't want to be embarrassed. I didn't want people to wonder why I was going down the hill or what happened to her or just all these things and all these opinions were running through my head. And so I was scared to ask for help and I was scared to accept help. And so I was like, no, I'll just go down, <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> so I skied down. Um, miraculously, I got down to the bottom and I just kept dancing on it. I stayed off it for about a week, but I mean, I had to get back to dance. I had to get back to my shows and my rehearsals. And so I kept dancing on it, and it got better after time, and I continued to go, and I went to Ireland, and during this time, that's kind of when my injuries started to kick up a little bit. Because my knee was so injured and I was dancing on it daily, I was compensating on that knee for my ankle, and so I ended up getting Achilles tendonitis on my right, on my left ankle because my right knee was injured, and... With my Achilles and with my knee and with my bigger chest, it stopped me from doing a lot of the things efficiently that I would love to do. I couldn't run very much or very long for very long because it, they would hurt my back and I would get headaches. And so with all of these three components, I just felt really uncomfortable in my own skin. I didn't know who I was. I was really confused. And I think in those confusion areas, that's, that's where we ask all the questions that are really important. Like, whose opinions actually do matter? And why do I feel the need to get all of this validation from other people around me? And why don't I feel like what I look like is enough, even though it may not be what everybody else looks like around me, because it was especially in the dance culture. So I continued to just ask these questions, 
and it was just a point in my life where I felt really lost. I came home to, back to New Mexico and I started running on the track team for my high school just to do something different, to stay active and just to get away from dance a little bit. I ended up tweaking my knee a bunch and this was a part of my high school. I was about a sophomore in high school and I didn't have a personal relationship with God yet, and so I did not have a firm foundation in my identity. And so I was searching for it everywhere else. I was looking for assurance and validation from friends, wanting continuously wanting to be popular, wanting to be friends with the popular people. I wanted to be liked by everybody, liked by all the boys, and I lost myself. Because when you're constantly trying to find who you are in other people, you're going to be lost. Eventually I found that I was more confident when I stopped trying to be somebody else's definition of beautiful and started being my own. It took me a really long time to realize that. When I look back at those years that were really hard for me and when I did not know who I was, I could easily wish that none of that happened. But I think it was an absolute crucial part of my life that needed to happen because sometimes I think you have to be lost before you can be found. I didn't know where to search because this external validation, it wasn't enough for me because I didn't know the real truth. I didn't know the truth that I didn't have to be somebody else. All I had to do was be me. When you're constantly trying to be like somebody else, it's impossible and it feels so draining because it is impossible. You're you. And that's all you should be. These truths have held me to be firm in who I am. And it took me a really long time to figure these out. God created me so beautifully and so intentionally. I'm so valuable to him. I'm here for a purpose, for a meaning, to bring light into the world, to hopefully make this world a better place. And each and every one of you is here for that exact same reason. That God has a plan for you. You have a purpose, that you're valuable, that you're beautiful, that you're enough, that you're chosen because he chose you. And when I finally started realizing that, that's when I became firm in who I was. Because we live in a world where a lot of things are changing all around us. Society is changing, our friends are changing, relationships change. Our jobs change. One thing that never changes is God. 
So if I stood firm in that, and I stood firm in those truths, then I could be confident in who I was. Because he was confident in me. And in what I was capable of. And so it took me a long time to figure this out, but those moments where I didn't, I needed to be there. I needed to go through that. Those seasons of loneliness, those seasons of confusion, frustration, of waiting, they're the most important. Because we find a lot of our answers in the confusion. And we have to have faith in all of those situations. If we had the answers all of the time, then we wouldn't need to trust. We wouldn't need to search. So I think that season, it needed to happen. And even though it was really hard, I came out knowing who I was. So I was in high school and... Um, I was constantly trying to find this validation from other people and this acceptance for who I was, even though the only acceptance that needed to come was from my own heart, not from other people's heart. Because one of the hard truths is that not everybody in this world is going to like you. All we can do is give our best, be kind, be loving, be compassionate, be helpful, serve others. And if they don't like you, then that's something that's going on in their own heart. And that maybe that's an insecurity that they have to deal with on their own. But it's not personal. And so I was constantly trying to find this validation. And because of my bigger chest, I was getting really disrespected by a lot of the people at my school, especially boys. I mean... Boys in high school, we're all immature at a certain point, and, and that's understandable. We grow and we mature, and we learn from those situations, absolutely. So I get that, but I felt really disrespected because of my bigger chest, and I felt like people were just, they just knew me because of that. I had a nickname, actually, <laughs> but I'm not going to say it because it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't define me, so that was really getting to me. It was really getting to me, and I started to have a lot of doubt and a lot of frustration at God for making me the way that he did. If I was supposed to be a dancer, then why am I designed this way? Why am I getting bullied at school for having a bigger chest? So I let those get to me a lot, and I just let it bury me, and I lost myself because of that. So I was running track and I was still dancing and during this time I was having a lot of trouble with my knee and my ankle and I knew that something was wrong. I just had that itching feeling like something is wrong. I just don't feel right. And so I went to the doctor and I kid you not, even before I got an MRI, the doctor was, he felt around my knee and he was like, you have tor two torn menisci and a torn ACL. And sure enough, I got the MRI and both were true. I felt like I had an answer and it was a really hard time in my life because I was on crutches for six months and so I especially just, I couldn't move, I couldn't be active and that was a big part of who I was and I couldn't dance 
And so a big part of my identity wasn't there. So I felt even more lost. And so I just felt heavy. I felt uncomfortable in my own skin and I didn't know who I was. And so that was a struggle and I recovered from my knee eventually and I kept dancing on it (laughs) after that. And then one day I had a conversation with one of my close friends in high school and she explained to me that she knew this girl that was going through a lot of the same struggles that I was with my bigger chest. And she told me that she ended up getting a breast reduction surgery and that it was one of the best things that she'd ever done. And I was really astounded because, first of all, I didn't even know that existed. (laughs) So I was like, what? That's really crazy. I didn't even know that was a thing. But then I really started to think about it and I was like, could this be something that could help my confidence? So I went home later that day and I talked to my mom about it and we did a lot of research And I ended up going to that doctor that that same girl went to. And then the doctor explained to me that usually they don't do these surgeries that are going to be fully covered by insurance unless you're 16 or 18. And I was 14. So I was really, really young because you're still developing at that point, right? And so things could change. But I I didn't want to develop anymore. And it was something that not only was affecting me emotionally, but it was affecting me physically. I couldn't run as efficiently as I wanted to. I couldn't move as efficiently as I wanted to. My back hurt and my head hurt. And it was affecting my joints, my knees and my ankles. And so the doctor, he made the decision to make an exception. And I started going through with that process. This was a really confusing part of my life because I was trying to decide what this meant for me. What this, what this decision meant for me. How was it going to define me? I was really scared at that time of people at my school, at my high school, finding out about this because it was a incredibly personal thing for me. It took me a long time to even tell my friends, my family. I mean, my, my close family knew about it, but my aunts and uncles would not because it was a really personal thing for me, and I also didn't want people at school to think that their words, that their hurtful words had so much power over me that it influenced me to make such a bold decision such as this. That it hurt my heart so much that it would influence me to do such a big thing like this. Now it absolutely had an impact on the way that it impacted my confidence, but it was at the bottom of the list of the reasons why I chose to do this surgery. I wanted to do this for myself. I wanted to give Julia a chance to blossom, to find out who she really was. That confidence was there, but it was buried under so much pain, so much confusion. So I ended up going through this surgery and... It was the absolute best decision of my life. I actually woke up from that surgery feeling a hundred times more confident. And I want to talk about this topic because there are a lot of opinions on things such as plastic surgery. And especially if... God made you perfectly the way that you are and he designed you so intentionally and you're 
just beautiful the way that you are, then why would you have to change anything about yourself to be good enough? Well, first of all, you don't. Absolutely not. You are beautiful the way that you are. But in my opinion, there is nothing wrong with doing something that is going to help you find yourself and help you build your confidence. So you could be more authentic you. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. If you think that getting a nose job is going to help you be more authentic and be more confident and share your story onto other people to help other people feel heard and help other people feel loved. I don't think that there's any shame in that. Wearing a cute outfit that you like, wearing the makeup that you love, exercising because it makes you feel good and it makes you feel confident, do it. (laughs) But the one thing that was true for me was that it didn't fully define me. It just improved me. I actually often forget that I had that surgery. When people ask me about it, I'm like, oh yeah, wow. (laughs) I forget how much impact that had on my life because I don't let it define me. But did it help my confidence? Absolutely. And so I just, I just want to encourage you that it's okay to want to better yourself. We're here to grow each day. And so this surgery, it was one of the best decisions of my life. And I remember laying in my surgery bed, waking up from the surgery. And my friend texted me. And she had told me that everybody at the school found out. Some, somebody who knew told them. I don't know who it was. It doesn't matter. But the whole school found out. And that was my biggest fear. And it was before I went to school, so I just did not want to go back. <laughs> I did not want to go back. But everyone found out. I had a couple of weeks to figure out how I'm going to deal with this. And I went to school. People asked me questions. People were curious. Some people judged. Some people said you did this because it had a lot of effect on you. And I said, no. I said, I did this for me. I did this to find myself. And you can think whatever you want. It doesn't matter. But I know what I did it for. And I know I did it for me. And that's okay. Because it made me a more confident person. And it was God's plan for my life. And he flourished in my life from that decision. This decision was a head start for me. It was a head start to really think about who I was. I didn't have, ironically, (laughs) I didn't have that weight on my chest anymore. 
And so I felt a weight come off my shoulders. Literally. <laughs> that I could see clearly again. I could find out, well, who really am I? After that surgery, I actually tore my ACL again. And so I ended up having to have a second ACL surgery. And the doctors told me that after I had that surgery and after I, I recovered, that it would not be smart for me to ever dance again. After 16 years of dancing, I was told that I should probably stop. And this is really hard for me because, I mean, dancing was, was the biggest part of who I was. But it forced me to explore and go beyond that. And my injuries, my surgeries, were the biggest blessings from God. And his presence was so evident in those moments and in those seasons. Sorry. Because when I look back, and when I see where God was working in my life, I can sit here and I can say that all of those tears and all that frustration and all that confusion God knew what he was doing. He's an author, he's a creator, he's an artist. And it all was so intentional. I think if I knew that then, then I really would have soaked all of what I had to learn in that season. Instead of just thinking back on it. But it is crazy to think about how much intention a painful season does have. And how important it is that we go through all that. And so, once I had that weight off my shoulders, once I felt more recovered from my second knee surgery, I started going to physical therapy. And my physical therapist actually kept me longer than my graduation because he was getting me stronger. I couldn't dance anymore, so he really got me into health and fitness. He really got me into learning how to improve my movements and get me super strong in that leg. I joined choir because I couldn't dance anymore, and singing is one of my favorite things in the world now. I started playing guitar, started writing my own songs. And I found God. The best thing that's ever happened to me. I found what my identity was in this whole time. Who my identity was in. That firm foundation. Something that came from sadness. That big part of who I was dancing When I couldn't do it anymore, I found my three biggest passions in this world. And I didn't know that before. And so I'm just so thankful for all of those frustrations 
And I'm so thankful, honestly, for all of those insecurities. Because it blossomed me. And so, as we close up, sorry if this was a bit all over the place. When I get going, I just get going. (laughs) Just talk. But learning and talking about all this, I just want to emphasize that you don't have to look or be somebody else to be enough. Because the only person that you were made to be is you. And that's enough. Who you are is enough. What you have to bring into this world is enough. Your passions, your dreams, they're enough. God made everyone, every single person on this earth different. No one is the same. And that's a beautiful thing. And I think once we learn that and fully understand that notion, it takes away a lot of our pain and a lot of our frustration. And it takes away a lot of jealousy in comparison. Because when we're constantly trying to be like somebody else or have someone's life, wanting our life to look like theirs, or wanting our relationship to look like theirs. We are comparing our lives or our bodies or our relationships to somebody else's. That's never going to be ours, and that's okay, because we're our own. Having those insecurities and not being fully firm in, in who you are, it causes you to look at somebody, and it robs you of seeing that beauty in somebody else. Because we're bringing it back to us. And we're thinking, oh my goodness, her hair is so pretty, why doesn't mine look like that? Or, her eyebrows are so full, why are mine so thin? Or, her legs are so long, why are mine not? Whereas, when we're fully firm in who we are, and we're confident in who we are and what we look like, and who God made us to be, then we can look at that person And we can say, wow, her hair is so beautiful. I love her eyebrows. Her legs are so strong. That's really awesome. Same thing as if somebody else accomplishes a goal that we also have that same goal. Especially if they're similar to us. Maybe they're in the same degree or same school as we are. It could be easy to be like, oh, why did she get there and I haven't yet? Or I don't understand why this is happening for her and it's not happening for me. Instead of constantly trying to compare ourselves to them, somebody else's journey, that's completely different from ours and equally as beautiful. We can look at them and we can be like, that is so awesome that she got to that goal. She inspires me. Because there is absolutely a difference between Comparing and wanting to be like somebody else specifically as to seeing somebody else and having them inspire us and motivate us to get to that goal. I think that's awesome. And we should have people to look up to. That's important in life. It's important to be open. It's important to be humble. It's important to listen to other people, especially if they've been where you want to be. 
to hear what they have to teach you and to be inspired by them, absolutely. But we also have to accept that everyone's life is their own journey. And that's intentional and that's okay. And we all cross places at different times. We all have different timings for our life and that's okay. It doesn't mean that we are good enough. It doesn't mean that... It just means it's different. And we should really embrace that. We should really embrace the beauty in everybody. And so, just closing off, I wanted to finish with a couple of Bible verses and quotes that I saw just to end with a little bit of encouragement. Psalm 139, 14 states, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that I am full well. God creates beautiful things, and you are one of them. It's important to take time for yourself so you are you again. It's okay to take time for yourself, to find yourself. Because when we start to love and appreciate who we are on the inside in our hearts, then we can share that onto others without any jealousy, without any comparison. We can work together as a team with other people and we can love other people because we have that love, same love for ourselves. It's really important. The one that I want to end with is Matthew 10, 29 through 31, and it states, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. Therefore, you are more value than, any, than many sparrows. God cares for the lilies on the ground. He cares for the sparrows in the sky, on the trees. They don't have a worry in the world because they have that faith and trust that their needs are going to be met and that they're enough in the little creatures that they are. So let's have that confidence that we're valuable too. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for listening to my story. I hope that my vulnerability and my honesty can reach someone today. That somebody can feel heard and loved. And that whatever you're going through is completely understandable. That you're going to get through it. And that God loves you. And you are his. Wow, that was deep. <laughs> no, seriously. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm really sad because my tea's cold because I haven't drank in it. <laughs> but I'm going to go warm it up. If you know me, my boyfriend always laughs at me because I'm one of those people who can only drink drinks if they're like really ice cold or super scorching hot. I, I can't drink lukewarm drinks. I don't know. It just tastes weird for me. And so 
I always have to like rewarm my tea like every five minutes. <laughs> and so he's always warming my tea and, and warming my milk and just laughing just because it's such a silly thing. But <laughs> I'm going to go warm my tea now and enjoy this wonderful evening. But I hope everyone has a good rest of your day. And this brought some encouragement to you today. I'm excited to be here again next week. Thank you for listening. Bye, guys. Mm-hmm.